for me musically I was like oh I could talk to MCs I could talk to graffiti artists I could talk to journalists that have been documenting it their whole lives I mean it was just like the, uh, the whole range of, of hip hop which is what makes it so, so beautiful as an art form is it's not just about the music it's uh, there are so many different factions and facets and it, and it really is a, a wide ranging it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon not just a musical phenomenon so um, up ahead we have interviews with Ebone415 who is a uh, uh, hip hop what would you say collector of, yes. of sorts of clothing all things clothing and, and boombox accessories uh, we have Mike Realm who is uh, it was even hard for me to describe what he does I mean you uh, he, he's a DJ but he also makes video to a company accompaniment and he calls it video scratching so he scratches the music and he scratches the video uh, it's part of video DJ if you will right and, and then Amanda Sade who is a photographer uh, and, and has a lot of really beautiful pieces up and um, Vogue who is huge in the graffiti scene so uh, we have a really good well-rounded bunch of interviews for you and I hope you enjoy I'm currently speaking with Mike Realm, who's San Francisco-based audio and video mashup director of all, all things. I, I mean, how do you explain it? It's incredible what you do. Uh, I would explain. Well, I'm a DJ first and foremost, and I've expanded to uh, the visual arts. And luckily, you know, um, companies like Serato have made. Um, have given us the ability to basically scratch videos. So that's just opened my world up immensely. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. And and so when you were approached, how were you approached, first of all? I, I want you to explain what you did for the exhibit and, and how you were approached with this idea. Uh, well, a friend of mine, Adisa Banjoko, who's the guest curator for the whole thing. Uh, I mean, we've been friends for 20, almost 20 years now. And so he's kind of explaining what his idea for the uh, for the entire thing was, and I'm just like, okay, how do how do we how do we make this happen? Like, I want to be involved, and he's like, all right, well, what would be cool is if you did your thing, but you know, like, because most of the time I'm doing it live. You know what I mean? So he said, for the first time, I want you to make something that will live on its own. Like, I don't have to be here to, you know, be DJing it and stuff. And, and you know, let's do a multi-screen. Let's just blow it out. Do it, just throw everything you can at it. You do the music, do the visuals, make it work. It's for hip-hop, it's for Oakland, for chess, for martial arts, and and go and so he brought me on board and I'm like alright let's do it like, it sounded pretty overwhelming yeah, and yeah. you know it's just like how like 
there's really no template for it so it was hard you know I couldn't there was no like shortcut of oh I'll just look at this and just make my own version of that like no I had to actually kind of map it out and um, you know be mindful you know how's this gonna look how's this gonna sound um, what how long is it you know at first I was like can I can I do 10 minutes I'm not even sure ended up with like almost an hour of material you know what I mean so. no I am impressed that you broke it down to an hour I mean basically you're telling the history of hip hop in, in two videos playing side by side but you cut it down to an hour I, I can't even imagine how much footage you looked at and, and how, how do you even pick what's going to go in like what takes precedence over something else oh yeah that's the tough one well that's I guess from you know I've been DJing for you know since 93 uh, I guess it's just kind of how my brain works like I'm just sort of like I'm very aware of that like you know like an hour hour and a half I can I have a very good sense of like yeah it's like a set time so I have a very good like my instincts for that are, are pretty good by now uh, so just sort of like telling that and I always you know as a filmmaker the, I, the the main thing is tell a story you know what I mean like you can have the, the coolest visuals the best cameras or whatever it doesn't matter if you're not really telling a story you know so we added a lot we, we, we um, interviewed um, a lot of people like A plus from hieroglyphics uh, Saquon um, Adisa and DJ Backside and I incorporated those interviews in a musical way. You know what I mean? Because that's what I do. You know, I'll, I'll take anything and, and remix it. I'll take anything and put it in, you know, because that's just kind of how my brain works now because, uh, you know, um, I'm used to sampling. So I'm always listening for stuff. You know, when I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking, I could sample that. I could I could turn that into something. I could, oh, she said this in that way, like in this cool cadence. Uh, that's totally on me. I could, I could, I'll make something out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, in, in terms of the video, watching it, it, it kind of felt like going through a family album. I don't, it just felt like I was home kind of thing. Like, it's all neighborhoods. It's all it's all people in, in the streets and, and such a community-driven video to go on top of the beats that I grew up listening to. Oh, that's interesting. I never I never thought of it as a family. But, yeah, that makes sense because, like, I, mean, I grew up in the Bay. So, you know, definitely, I mean, especially because this is the Oakland Museum, we have to include, like, Bay Area stuff. And, I mean, dude, how do you not include Mr. Fab yeah. on any of the, you know, that's Fabby Davis. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that was special to me because I've known Fab for years. I, I directed his first music video. Oh, cool. So that was really special to have yeah. that stuff. I'm like, okay, I got to put Fab in there. You know, of course, he's 40, too short. Um, and also, I also toured with Black Alicious and Lyrics Born and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. So just to me, like when you say family album that really to me felt like a family album because you know I spent years with these guys traveling the world and you know yeah I mean I didn't I didn't get emotional about it but like it, it felt it was cool I, I definitely got emotional in that room walking in like and, and just like the kids on bikes and the you know it just it just felt like it felt so I, I've never felt so at home in an exhibit before that means so much that you just said that. That's <laughs> well, amazing. No, really, I mean, I think well, and I think that that was a big part of uh, what this exhibit means is um, to show people that hip hop is community. Like we're all artists. We are. We're all creators, and it's not one thing. It's kind of like this sprung from the community. Yeah, yeah, and and the music is at the at the core of it. You know, like 
It's so people. I mean, I mean, every every city has their thing. You know what I mean? Like for for music, but like it's so hard to describe the Bay Area in that way because there's so much. Like you know, back back to the '60s when you know when it was like Jefferson Airplane and and those kind of guys. To now, it's like we have so much. There's so much. Um, it's so yeah it was I mean I, it's, it's just hard to it's hard to just describe the whole thing but you know when I was working on it I was like I really want people to see this like how do I get this to people that aren't in Oakland and I'm like looking at it on my computer screen even when I put it on two screens you can't really do that so I need people to just come to Oakland and see it yeah you gotta come out and feel it because the how big are the the um, screens there's two screens side by side they're they're huge they're, I mean it's floor to ceiling I think it's like nine feet tall yeah so but when you stand in front of them it's like whoa this is the world yeah so what do you feel what do you hope people that come to see this exhibit walk away feeling about hip-hop about the culture wow I, you know at first I really I really hope that people would feel um, you know like they like they learn something but we're also entertained but now that you mention you feel at home like that's that's a more amazing feeling to to come away with I think uh, so that'd be great if everyone felt at home felt you know, connected and just enriched by the whole thing. Because I mean, my my part is just one section. There's a whole other experience here. Like this is crazy. Um, if if I mean, yeah. Look, people. I, I want people to feel at home. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Mike. Where can people find you and and uh, learn more about your work or see you perform live? Um, my website is mikerealm.com. Uh, right now, I'm I'm the Far Side's DJ. So you, anytime you want to see the Far Side, I'm I'm out there with them, uh, doing the visuals, doing the music. Uh, that's a fun gig because I mean I grew up on their music and yes. you know it's just yeah. like th- this is the funniest time I've that's had. ridiculous yeah. yeah super jealous go on <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know on, on my website I'm always posting stuff you know, you know where I am and what I'm up to I do, I do need to, to post about this yeah. yeah. <laughs> alright I'll, I'll let you go so you can get on that you, you need to post right away thank you Mike thank you so much I am here with Ebone 415. Thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And you are here representing, uh, you're an MC, correct? But you are also representing the fashion and um, uh, fashion culture side of, of hip hop. Correct. Yeah, I've been rapping since the mid 90s, put out projects, still do music. And I collaborated and loaned out a bunch of my clothing, boom boxes and other stuff for a display for the Oakland Museum. Wow, so you've been collecting all these for how long? Like, what's your oldest piece? If you can give us an example for those that that can't see this in front of us. What's your oldest piece? Oh, from the 80s. You know, all my gear is mostly from the mid-late 80s to the early 90s. 
everything. I don't know what, for whatever reason that that's my thing. Those are my teen years too, so I really remember them. And um, but yeah, so probably the oldest one is the satin jacket from about '87. Adidas, yeah. Um, I have a bunch of troop coats, which is huge um, throughout the world back in that time. Um, and there's other different knockoffs made off of that and other memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. So what is what is the piece that you're most proud of? Do you still rock it, first of all? I would if I dropped a few pounds, but yeah. <laughs> so you know, um I'm proud of all of them. I you know it's interesting, everyone has it's all has their own story and all have their own different memories and and even you know, even some like, oh yeah, it brings back when I see a certain, a certain out a jacket, and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happened to my sweatsuit I had back then? And I wish I still had that because a lot of stuff, like a lot of us, got rid of throughout the years, yeah. and we're unlucky if some of us kept it for whatever reason. And then some stuff I kept, some stuff I got rid of, and then to start collecting throughout the years again, just to replenish what I don't have. So what do you think that the style of the 80s said about hip-hop culture at the time? Like, first of all, what, what was the defining characteristics of the style, and what did that say about the culture? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I guess at that time, you know, when I see these coats, back then they were big patches. They are big, bold lettering. And that goes back, and even could go back before that, like back to different street gangs, like from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s. Um, people had turf coats on. You know, my dad's born and raised in Fillmore, and in the 50s, 60s, he was in his street gang, and he had, you know, uh, his turf coat on there with, with um, embroidery on there. And these jackets, at that period as well, like for this task force, this bad design, back in the late 80s, so, I don't know about anywhere else, but I know in San Francisco, some of the different turfs, they use some of the logos and put them on their, their neighborhood jackets, along with whatever, whether it was Hunters Point, Sunnydale, Fillmore, blah, blah, blah. So, it was interesting. So, it represents, you know, turf coats in a sense, the fashion, um, what was hip and going on, because it was, these were really worldwide jackets. You know, it made its way to Europe. And they still rock stuff in Europe as well. They had a, have a big following. But, um, and everybody from LL Cool J to Run DMC and everybody in between would, MC Hammer would rock these. And, and you could, you know, you see it on their albums and you see it on their tape covers and you see it in their interviews. And it's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The first couple things you said, uh, big, big, uh, big patches and bright colors, it's, it's kind of like they wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. Like so, something along those lines of like coming from the streets and feeling disenfranchised franchise so like I'm gonna wear these big bold colors and I'm gonna step out and you're gonna notice me whether you like it or not yeah you hit it on the head right there it's um you know and it goes back to carrying your big boom box listen to me ba-boom the annoying kid I used to be rocking at 12 years old a big boom box and people look now like turn that shit off and in your cars right same thing big system so it's it's like notice me hear me you know uh, it's a flashy symbol as well you know gold chains back then rings um, you know, sometimes people in different communities and stuff didn't have as much as other communities. But we were dressed like we had it, right? That was just the persona and the look. So, um, and these coats weren't even cheap back then. Right. So, you know, but it's definitely, you know. Well, how does it feel for you to walk into this exhibit and see your own personal collection up here along the same walls with, with all these incredible artists? It's really amazing. So for years, I wanted to do something like this. And it just never happened. I reached out to people with little record shops or this and that. And it, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. 
and I've been even wanting to rent this stuff out for, for photography or movies or something. And the connection I made with the Oakland Museum was great because here it is, it's on a wall and it's in lights and it's with all these other amazing artists. And it makes me look at like, wow, this is how I want to have my shit displayed in my house. Like instead yeah. of just hanging on a nail, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this is professional, super cool, and yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you hope somebody that comes to this exhibit walks away with? That in the hip hop culture and hip hop lifestyle, there's so many different facets. Not just like rap. It's not just rap music and stuff. I mean, that's that's obviously a huge part of it. But there is the whole fashion. There's slang in it. There's um, styles. There's the graffiti aspect that came into it. Um, just walk away with more knowledge on hip-hop. You know, even me today, I'm learning stuff like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, you can always learn something. Yeah. It's always about improving and upgrading every day. And, um, yeah. Cool. What, what did you learn today? I'm curious. What did I learn today? That's interesting. <laughs> I learned that they got a 1964 Impala up in here, which was amazing because there's concrete stairs and there's no access for a car. So I was like, geez, they got this in there. And that they got in here with, with hoists and they pulled it up and... I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's that's one thing I learned right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I want in. Yeah, right. Exactly, right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me, and uh, thank you for sharing all, all of your, your history of hip-hop. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, and you can find me on Instagram at ebone415, and I got a clothing line I do called San Frantastic Clothing with one C in it on Instagram, too. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Bitch Talkers, I am back with Amanda Sade, incredible photographer. Uh, her art is here on display, and you're sort of representing the current day, present day hip-hop, right? Yes. And, and how did you first get involved in the project? Um, I was actually emailed by Trey Amos. Um, Trey and I met at Okella. Um, it's a day party, West Oakland, in the garden. Um, and she had been following me on Instagram, and she liked my work. So, yeah. And what was your work prior to this? Uh, what, what kind of photography do you like taking? This is actually, all these images were taken in 2017. I got a digital camera December 2016. So this is my first year of shooting. Are you kidding me? Ever? Yes, ever. Okay, so what was... I had this as a child using disposable camera, but... Yeah. That's incredible. So what was the work that she saw prior to this that she she thought you could translate into photography? iPhone photography. <laughs> wow. Yes. And so did you did you ever think you wanted to evolve into, you know, more or, or was was this the catalyst for you? Um this was a community effort. I moved here. I was born in Houston. July, I'll be here three years. Um, even with the iPhone photography, a lot of people that I met here said, you need to graduate. You need to get a digital camera. It's time. Like, you have an eye. You have a gift. You need to, you know, figure out how to express yourself and be creative. Be a creator. Um, and okay, so when it came to the the idea of shooting for uh, hip hop photography, how did you approach it? What kind of events would you just walk down the street? How did you? A lot of these images um, were taken before I even knew about this exhibit. So it's a combination of before the opportunity was introduced to me, and then afterwards. Um, 
and I learned to practice by going to events. Um, this so Oakland event. Um, this was at So Oakland in West Oakland, and I would go and kind of like be the introvert, but then like I don't want to be the introvert, so I'm gonna ask someone, "Can I take your picture?" So that's how. You know, a lot of these images happen. That's so Oakland Day, so Oakland Day. This was at the Warriors Parade. I saw this beautiful girl coming down the street. And I'm like, can I take your picture? Like, the BART station, watching the boys, like, dance. Like, all of this is me, you know, trying to learn something, being confident, and just reaching out to people. I'm like, you know, can I take your picture? I love that because uh, through your art, it's also helped you grow as well. It's art therapy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what do you hope the people who, who see this photography, what do you want them to take away from it? Um, that there's probably something within you that you can practice and manifest and create something that's really great and for me just learning how to shoot has helped my my esteem my confidence I would have never thought my entire life that I would have work in a museum so just just try new things don't be introverted <laughs> um, um, and just allow like the environment the people around you to inspire you yeah right absolutely I, a lot of creative I, I can't even imagine my first attempt at, at shooting photography with a DSLR or something to, to be in an exhibit like this this is I mean I'm just walking around here it's it's not just art it's just being part of a community yeah yeah most definitely and that's kind of what hip-hop is right yes yes this is all what did I think this morning what did I say oh it takes a village this is a village effort village yeah. effort yeah. And did, how did you? One more question. How did you even feel walking up to your artwork up on these walls, along with all these, uh, all this other incredible work? To be, to be in the same, to have my work in the same space as Jamal Shabazz and even Britson, I'm blown. Like I'm blown away. Like these are people that I admire. And I love their work, so I'm just like, this is wild. This is like, right. Well, well, congratulations on the Thank beautiful you. work, and, and I can't wait to follow you and see what you have next. Thank you. I appreciate that. Take care. Thank you. I'm standing here next to Vogue, who is such an influential figure in the graffiti art scene. Vogue, thank you so much for being here with me. Well, thank you. And uh, first of all, you, I want to ask how you started in graffiti. Um, I always had an interest in art, and um, I was always on the street riding freestyle BMX. And when that kind of died out and I was getting a little older, I just took my natural talents in art from through my parents and kind of got into graffiti and it started from watching Style Wars on PBS in like 1984 and after that it just kind of blew up by uh, Style Wars is a oh I, I grew up uh, in San Leandro and then um, where I still reside but like Oakland kind of made who I am just like Dream was from Alameda but Oakland is gave us the the backyard the playground the canvas for us to do what we were able to do and and back then uh, in the 80s what was the graffiti style like or and even this the scene in terms of you know you write for this t you know how how was the scene back then I mean it was like the wild west I mean when I first got into it only graffiti that was in my neighborhood was gang graffiti it was all Latin um, ter 
pictorial graffiti. Um, so what what we ended up doing, or I ended up doing, is was you know more hip hop orientated graffiti, um, where it was just more the focus was your name and getting up. Um, and back then, like I said, it was just wild, wild west. It was just meeting somebody was like a huge thing. You could ride the bus all day long, travel, and just just hope to meet somebody. And you know, you had a, a misconception of like what a writer was back then, or somebody that wrote, because the only thing you saw was something from from New York. So you're, all, I was always wondering, like, I wonder if, if that guy is that. No, it can't be, you know, because you're judging them by like what they dress or what they wear. But back then, like, it was all walks of life. Like, I met friends and still have t- till today, like, of all different races, which was which was really good. So it was a big melting pot. Um, and then, then you know, you just established crews. Like, everybody wanted to have a crew. So then, over the years, you you have a bunch. But then when the fad of graffiti in the 80s went down and and they, people grew up and then got real jobs and real lives and had kids, then there was only, like, the sole survivor. And so only a, some of those crews withstood those times and then and some of those people. So. And how did you maneuver um, graffiti being an art form that was also uh, a very big in the gang scene without being part of that and, 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 and not trying not to be part of that drama? Well, luckily I wasn't Latin. The only people that they were into is mostly Mexicans like in my neighborhood they, those are the ones that got recruited so being Asian I, I didn't really get to that I mean there was like other Asian gangs later when I was in graffiti cause they, and they wanted me because they knew I was already up so that I could bring another element to their to their gang but I kind of just brushed brushed them off and um, they didn't come after me that hard okay. they left me alone yeah. And, and you know, and, and I think they, they separated. That's pretty much for everybody. As long as you didn't go over what they wrote and you just kind of complimented it, mm-hmm. then they were fine with that. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, in the 80s, you were um, associated with pioneering this form of hyper-realism. Can you explain what that is in graffiti? Well, you know, I just tried to bring something different because everything was like very cartoony, very plain, um, you know, basic shapes, basic colors. So I wanted to push myself and do something different. And I was trying odd things. Some stuff, of course, didn't work out. And um, and I, I just kept trying and trying and trying and trying to push the limits of what you could do with a spray can. And that's how it is with this exhibit. It was just a matter of like, I need to show people that um, a spray can is no different than somebody using a pen or pencil, a paintbrush, oil or acrylics. You know, what you see in a museum today is, is you know, oh, this beautiful oil painting. But, but for our generation, spray can, and that's what relates. Relate, relates to the youth. It's going to translate. It's the... It's the it's a still growing it's still an infancy art form so you know when I pass then there will be other you know three four other generations hopefully behind you know hopefully I live a little longer um, but you know another hundred years it, it could be these pieces could be worth something because that's what they're going to remember that's what's going to be important for them Right. Yeah, that, that was going to be my, my next question. Is how, how does it feel to have one of your pieces up 
at an exhibit in, in the Oakland Museum and having having it started as a street form for you to see it in this venue? Um, it's kind of shocking at first, you know, and when I start, when they brought me in, I didn't know what to think. Um, and then once I realized how little they knew, because I take that my information and my history kind of like for granted, you know, because I surround myself with people that already know that. So I never need to express myself. I don't go, remember this or do this. But all these people at the museum, they're like clueless about all this. They're clueless about graph, who to go to, what to get, what was important, what was not. Um, I mean, they, they've heard of certain people, but that's it. But they didn't know how to even approach them. Because graffiti is like the one element of hip-hop where you're supposed to be, you know. Underground. Yep. Yeah. I said underground in case you can get it. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's um, and, and that's another thing. Like I, I have a bunch of graffiti artists as friends uh, down south in Riverside and also up here in the Bay. And um, I kind of noticed there's a sort of divide when it comes to putting your pieces up in an art museum or, or, or doing legal walls and things like that, where some people are like, no, it's, it should stay in the streets. And, you know, that's going against you. We're supposed to be supposed to be us against them. And I, I, I noticed a little divide in that sense but uh what are your what are your thoughts on that do you and do you feel that as well um you know a graffiti writer should do all aspects of it where it's tagging bombing freight train training well i feel like if somebody is well-rounded then that's that's a true writer um and that's what how i encased my whole life but as you get older, you just can't do all that stuff. You you either ha you have to. There's a point where you have to cross. Like when I start doing videos, like do you show your face or you don't show your face? Um, and to me, I was like, I'm, I'm an artist. I have to make money. I have to show my face. I have to cross that line. Um, but you know, I, I try and stay in touch. I try and still do things that that still reach the community. If I paint a mural, I got to make sure that it's adequate it's it's respectful it takes in consideration the people that are in that neighborhood if it's latin black asian um in, in the history that's in that neighborhood um going back to your original question like the the separate there's a separation and um a lot of the younger bombers they don't understand because they're not old enough mm -hmm. so they only see one thing they just yeah. see like let's destroy we're gonna do the freeway we're gonna do this overpass we're gonna do these trucks mm -hmm. which which i love i still love it and i wish i could still do that um but but there's some people that i think that that those writers will not respect a lot of them respect me if they know the history of me mm -hmm. but a lot of people pick up the cans now they come out of college go to the art store, buy their cans, and go and attempt to do what they now is labeled street art instead of graffiti. So now it's more of an acceptable thing. Um, so those people, of course, are going to get X'd out. <laughs> yeah. And I could see that. I agree with that. Yeah. But you should know. Posing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're just kind of stealing the culture of it. I mean, they don't understand that, like, a true writer doesn't really even buy their paint. They have to go rack their paint. Mm -hmm. They rack their tips. And that's what I had to do in the beginning, too, because I was young. I didn't have any money, no job. So, and that was part of the adventure. That was part of being a graffiti writer. And that's what 
anybody that documents all these people that take photographs, all these ones that from these famous photographers here, I'm not even going to name the names, they don't know that culture. They, they're only seeing it from the outside bubble. They're not, they're not riding BART. They're not riding AC Transit, Muni. They're not going to go eat. They're not with us. They're not going to like the hardware stores to rack the paint. They're not, they're not doing all these things that encase us. Right, right, wow. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me, Vogue. One, one last thing, what do you hope somebody that comes to see this exhibit, what do you hope they leave with having uh, learned about the graffiti scene? Well, like I said, I think the main thing is if I could touch somebody and say, wow, that that really is art. That's not just some juvenile, um, you know, uh, mischievous criminal activity. This is an actual piece of art. And so that's why that's why I went all out to do what I did for this for this space in this museum. Awesome. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, you're welcome. So hope you uh, enjoyed our part two of the media preview of Respect Hip Hop Style and Wisdom uh, that's opening or has opened actually at the Oakland Museum of California. Um, I didn't say this earlier, but we are recording live at Luca's Tap Room in Oakland. I love this place. Come visit after you go see the exhibit. Just get back on BART, take the 19th Street uh, Avenue exit off of BART and come to Luca's and eat their fried chicken and drink all their drinks and just... I love this place. Um, but I forgot to say is if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and uh, you'll get to see me and Ann. You'll get to see all of our 200 plus episodes and a lot of our featured episodes uh, on our landing page. And yeah, I just come visit Oakland because I'll probably move back here soon. <laughs> and, and I have a, a, one more funny behind the scenes story. So um, when you enter the exhibit, uh, all of you have to go as soon as you enter the exhibit you have a there's a room called the dojo and it's very interactive um, you could practice being an MC you could practice scratching you can practice I was practicing with like this beat machine and then uh, there's also a part where you could like tag you can tag on a little piece of paper and put it up on the wall so of course I went straight to the tagging because I love drawing I love art so I'm sitting there writing and all they had were colored pencils and I like using markers so I turned to the guy next to me and I was like oh you're so smart you brought your own marker Later, I come to find out it was Vogue. I was only talking to, like, a renowned graffiti artist from the Bay, but I didn't really look at him. I just saw that he had markers, and I was jealous. But when I was doing the interview with him, right before we started, he was like, you were sitting next to me at the drawing table. He's like, you you were jealous of my markers. It was just really funny. But, um, yeah, really cool, really beautiful people and um, people that are very passionate about their art. And, um, yeah, I just love all the art forms that hip-hop encompasses. It's such an umbrella of... Of, of different art forms and uh, thank you Aaron for allowing me this opportunity it was incredible I'll, I will be back <laughs> bitch please